now tuned in to the cold hard truth Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. join us Friday morning right here on the show. Somebody's going to win a $5,000 Christmas present from under our tree. It's wild. It's cool. All right, 7.34 right now. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. 
Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning, Blake and Aaron. Hi. Hi. Uh, so I, I saw a couple of headlines, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, overnight last night from CMR. Mm -hmm. um, so not, not a, not a good morning, not a good headline to start with, I'm guessing. Oh no. Some headlines. What do you got for us? <laughs> well, it depends on, uh, on where you start, but, uh, one that went up pretty late last night, um, was that a port employee was actually, um, injured after a little mishap. So I tried to figure this out. Like, why were they in the in what car? In in a, in a truck. So in I'm assuming truck. this is yeah, this is their, their work trucks that they um, drive up and down in the port. And and somehow a crane picked up the truck. This is as much what? as this is like. I the, did not the, see there's this. There's not. One. Yeah, there's not. Somehow this happened. Wait, this a crane? You, yeah. So a crane like picked up the yeah. truck and put it in another place. But the guy was in the. It, this sounds like they did wow. it on purpose. Sounds like, like somebody messing around. Um. That's not I, an accident thing, is it? It might be some sort of an equipment mishap. So, in other words, not necessarily mm -hmm. human error, but mm -hmm. equipment. Uh, How? Yeah. I don't. I don't. Hey, know. Bob, you want to go for a ride in, the, in your truck on the crane? I'm telling just, you. Let me just pick your car up from here and move it over there. This is what would happen if Blake and Aaron worked at the Port Authority. Hundred percent. We would be like, dude, do you think that crane can pick up? My car. Oh, absolutely. Picks up containers. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'd be like, let's let's That'd be easy. Let's swing us over. You know, yeah. I think this is something we would do. Uh, I don't know. 100%, I'm not percent we would do it. This is this uh, is hypothetical on their this end. Is this why, is hundred percent on our end, what we would exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. This is why we don't work at the port authority. Yeah. yeah. Or so any, this, is, any this, machinery. Was Sunday, this was Sunday night, by the way, just to be clear. Oh, okay. So Sunday night. Yeah. Well, so um, but yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. I, did I it mean, drop out of the Did somebody get hurt? Well, yeah, they had to take him to the hospital, um, Health City. Thankfully, oh, he's okay. Uh, but being dropped nine feet probably isn't a great nice. thing. In a car. Yeah, that's and like the one. car's messed up. Uh, has to be messed up. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Oh, the suspension for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's like Dukes of Hazard so, stuff. Jumping over ramps and things. That's so wild, though, to think. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Mm. So, yeah, so you know, there was a story that we did over the weekend that kind of got buried a little bit, I feel like, because it was the weekend. There were so many stories being posted, but there are um, several firemen kind of connected to this who are suing government fire officers um, because they got injured at work and um, some piston or some screw or something on their mission um, on one of their trucks basically misfired. And again, because vehicles are not being properly maintained is what they alleged. And as a result of that, uh, they got injured. And so they're suing the government. And um, Aren't these fire trucks brand new? Um, I'm I, I don't know how old this particular truck was, but, okay. you know, you've got to maintain even brand new vehicles. They have service dates and they're, they're sure. some bolts, I'm sure of, that need to be. They're you know, complex machines. I know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, hmm. So, yes, huh. essentially they got hurt and government has been fighting them for quite some time. So the grand court made a decision, magistrate, uh, or sorry, um, Judge um, Ramsey Hale, they appealed her decision. So this was actually at the court of appeal level and they lost the appeal at the court of appeal level because basically they were claiming that um, fire officers can't sue their employers, which is kind of crazy, that they did not owe them a duty of care. And so the um, the Court of Appeal looked at the relevant law that they were trying to argue 
um, applied and gave them, you know, complete immunity from any liability for breach of their common law duty of care, which would be a big deal to think that a government department actually believes that. But this is what the AG's office argued on behalf of the fire service. And so the um, Court of Appeals said, no, 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 not so fast. Um, basically that, of course, they have a duty. Yeah. And it arises both out of the contractual relationship with fire officers, as well as, um, which implies a common law duty of care. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they looked at their terms of, of employment stuff as well. So, yep, they uh, they can be sued. So okay. if, I, if, I were, if I were government, I would just like, you know. Settle. Um, yeah, exactly. Like so, sometimes you really wonder why they fight these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as well, a fire a service, you would why. want to, you, you should be taking care of your employees and making sure they're safe. Like that's a yeah. very risky business in the first place. I think yeah. why, why people sue is because uh, it sets a, or why you fight it is because it sets a precedent. That's and true. They, yes. they were probably yeah. trying to prevent a precedent from yeah. everybody working for the government yeah. suing well, them. Now the court has said, here's your precedent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, okay. yeah, so it kind of reminded me when I saw that case, I thought, ooh, somebody's gonna get sued. Mm. Um, and you think that preemptively, like you know, this guy it was kind of bizarre because they didn't call the ambulance for him, which I don't know why that happened. They really should have um, followed certain protocol when someone's injured on the job. Instead, someone just drove him in a private vehicle um, to Health City, and you know, they kept him, I think, overnight for observation. He turns out that he's pretty much okay. Um, but you, you know, you never know an injury like that. Next thing you know, you've got back issues that creep up on you and, mm-hmm. you know, um, all sorts of things. So that's interesting. Uh, and a bit of court news. Uh, no conviction was recorded on the um, in the case of Mike Adam and his family, his two sons, all three of them were charged with common assault um, at the low end of the scale, which is like, you know, it's anything like you flip somebody's hat on their head is one, mm-hmm. of, the, one of the instances. And um, so this has been an ongoing West Bay land dispute that's like into like five years now. It's so absolutely crazy. And so basically the judge said yesterday or the magistrate said on Monday, my apologies, that, um, you know, she really hopes that all parties take her advice and seek some mediation because she said this is the kind of thing that can ruin your lives. Like this is a neighborly dispute that has really gone to the next level so why were they not guilty? Did they not do it? Or they just, what was the reasoning? So they pled guilty. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they pled guilty and uh, they pled guilty, I think, in September um, to common assault. And, you know, common assault can, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It can even be words and stuff like that. Like it's not Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, so the judge uh, recorded no conviction, but did, uh, you know, give them a one-year probation order where they have to do anger management and um, basically said, keep the peace and be on good behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, they've always argued that they're keeping the peace. It's a neighbor who isn't keeping the peace, but he's been lucky in that, you know, no charges have ever stuck on him. There've been lots of complaints. And I think in one case, he may have gone to court if my memory serves me correctly and he ended up getting off. So it's just been a back and forth. Um, Again, the government has the ability to solve this. They have taken control of the property and they started the process of making a public roadway. Now they just have to complete that process. I'm really hoping that the attorney general as well as the NRA gets that done as quickly as possible. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, no one ever wants to go home where you're stressed out every time you go home because your neighbor's blocking your access to your home. Yeah, no, and, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what that look was like was for. We've Blake, all, but <laughs> we've all, it's not me. It's not my problem. It's his problem. <laughs> no, Blake is like, mm, I understand that feeling. Another feeling. <laughs> yes. Another feeling. But we've all, you know, had issues with neighbors, I'm assuming, mm. you know, when you live in like You had an issue condo. with your, your neighbor below you with the wind chimes. Wind chime guy. Wind chime guy. Uh, this yeah. guy who lived below Aaron a few years ago had had this massive array of wind chimes on his, lived, on his deck. This is when we lived at Caribbean Paradise. On his balcony, yeah. And so the wind blows straight at you. So what did I hear all the time? Wind chimes. Wind chimes. It was like. Can you please take those down? All I hear are your wind chimes. Well, you, you had, is right when you had babies. And I had babies and then <laughs> um, it was oh just gosh. like, please get those wind chimes. I mean, like I would take 10,000 leaf blowers over these yeah. wind chimes. Really? Wow. Oh, no. It was like, he was like, oh, it's my art though. I'm like, I, I never and thought then wind he, chimes could be so annoying. Yeah. And then he tried to say it was uh, some for his like uh, anxiety or something to the exco. And I was like, yeah, but you told me it was your art. So is it anxiety or is it art? I don't know. Whatever mm -hmm. it is, get it. Down. I do art for my anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, keep well, it inside. <laughs> um, Cuban <laughs> came in yesterday, so we're going to talk about that a bit later on as well. But uh, three men came in on a Cuban vessel uh, on Cayman Brack. Mm -hmm. So, um, interestingly enough, the one observation that everybody made is this vessel actually looks pretty decent compared to many others that we've seen. Um, so, uh, one person said it looks like a um, one of the vessels owned by the Cuban government. So that's interesting. How long are you at sea from Cuba to say Cayman Brac? How, how long is that journey? I don't know. Because it's, it's, it's not. Days? Well, I, it's not. No, a, it would be like a day. It's not a powered boat, no? though. It's more than a day. Oh no, it would be like well, two this days. one. This one had a motor on it. This oh, yeah, I saw the yeah. boat. That would be a little okay. So on the aggressor, when we went to Little Cayman, it was mm -hmm. literally like four hours or five hours or something. Mm. Six hours, maybe. That's I know. A good I'm, I'm, maybe I'll ask the Coast Guard if they know. That just seems like. But aren't they trying to go to the United States and just <laughs> end up here? Uh, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I think they they just want to go anywhere. <laughs> now, one thing it didn't have was a uh, compass. Compass, yeah, no compass on that. Oh, that's what I forgot. So, uh, <laughs> I make a compass. It's called the sun. Kind of small, but I thought this was maybe Florida Keys, but nope, came in Brack. Oh well, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, these trips are really, really dangerous. On a serious note. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've been pretty fortunate not to find any um, bodies, but, you know, just a couple of days ago, uh, there were seven uh, bodies found in a boat drifting in Grenada. So mm -hmm. I don't know where they were trying to go. Listen, you know, we're very privileged to not have to make that decision yeah. for our lives. And that's, you know, that's the one thing when, that people fail to realize the, com the compassion towards all these migrants on these boats. It's like, yeah. And the desperation to do that. Exactly. The desperation to do that. We are lucky enough to not have to feel that. that yeah. It happens off of Trinidad um, a lot as well, because they're trying to get from like Venezuela to other, other places. So um, the answer that we've gotten is um, <laughs> it depends on weather, time of day, speed of the vessel, and point of departure as well. Because remember, Cuba is a pretty big country. So they may be leaving from Isle of Pines or from the mainland or different areas of Cuba. So yeah. all of that will make a determination um, of how long it will take. Hmm. 
All right, yeah. Sandy, we'll let you get going on your show today. All right, guys. Uh, uh, on Facebook and YouTube, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hi, All right, Larry says this. How you? Hello, Larry from New York. Hey, Larry. Larry, I think Larry said uh, 2,000 miles pretenders. Yeah, that will uh, be that's coming a great up. One. Yeah, that will be coming I, up, that's Larry. That's one of my favorite Christmas it's a songs. Good one. It's a good really? one. Really? So we're gonna, yeah, it's a great song. Mine is the John okay. Lennon. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Larry, right. and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye. All right, our. All right, folks. Blake and Aaron, one hundred six, one hundred six point one. Kiss FM. Larry's always got his music <clears throat> selection ready to go. Look at me, purple lips today. Mm. Something a little bit different and crazy. Mm-hmm. These uh, colors can be very bold. <clears throat> We're going to be bold. <clears throat> I need a bold voice. Good morning, Marshall. Good morning, Kay. Weebee's got it locked. Kay says, rise and shine, K-Man. We're up watching CMR. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Olivia, good morning. Um, Kay's loving this weather. Yes, tis the season. That time of year. Christmas breeze is here. Do you wish that it was like this all the time? Like, what's your what's your ideal weather? Like, do you wish the Cayman Islands was a little bit cooler, even during the summer months? Um, I probably wouldn't mind a little bit cooler, like 70s, even in the summer. That would be nice. Uh, but people love, some people really love the hot, 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 hot weather. Uh, Diamond Princess, good morning. Louie, happy hump day. Niaz, we can't see your comment because it's probably one of those um, emoji things, like a smiley face or whatever. They don't show up on the system that we use to pull up comments, so we can't see what you actually said. Maybe it was a smiley face, an angry face, I don't know. Good morning, Sonia. Damien is here. Yes, Damien agrees, depends on the weather and power. Uh, but I'm told it's, uh, I was guessing maybe a week and this person says, no, it's actually less than that. So they're going to give us, um, again, subject to many, many factors. They will give us their opinion. Um, what's, what's in Honduras? Mm -hmm. Good morning to Gina. Uh, Louis is getting some rain in Detroit. Does that mean rain and a little bit of snow or is it not cold enough for snow? And good morning to the lovely Miss Bonnie joining us from East End. Big up to all the folks in East End, Northside, and everywhere else that tune into the program. We've got our international crew. So let's talk about a few things this morning. Um, okay, so someone says, good morning. Coming from Jamaica back to Cayman. Once I heard that they only accept PCR tests from certain places in Jamaica, since the country opened, does it remain the same? Does it remain the same? Because I hear people talk taking PCR tests all over. Sorry for keeping on asking you questions, but I get comfort with inquiries when I ask you. Aw, that's so nice. Um. So the short answer is, I don't think there's like a specific location in Jamaica, but it has to be um, a certain type of facility. So it has to be like, the, the, the most important thing is obviously, um, it's a legit testing facility for PCR tests. And I don't know if in Jamaica, those are private facilities or 
um, if they're government-run facilities, but as long as it's the correct test, because I think some people were showing up with like antigen tests and other things, and um, those are not allowed, not for the purposes. Although, um, now that they're changing this on the 17th, which is on Friday, hmm. Hmm. I think you might be. Um, let me confirm this because I'm sure that that applies to everyone. Well, we're going to go through um, all of the requirements today, as a matter of fact. So hopefully that person is listening to the program um, in terms of what's accepted. Because remember, now it's 24 hours for, before. So it changes and it's going to impact everybody who's coming in. So Jamaica, I believe would be no exception. Um, okay, I go through all those details. Um, we had a neighborhood thief yesterday, stole a little kid's bike, stole my neighbor's bike. I think it was another neighbor kid. Um, and they brought it back last night. I don't know if it's one of those situations where a parent came home and said, where did this bike come from? Put it back. It's not ours. We didn't buy it for you. It could be. Uh, so they, they dropped it back under the cover of darkness last night, but we saw them. Cameras picked them up returning the bicycle. And um, I'm sure that we could probably go through and a bit further and see um, when they picked up the bicycle. Don't steal, folks. I thought, who steals, uh, who steals a bike? Who steals, who's, uh, y'all know me with thieves. Why steal at all is the question that I always have. You know, if you're really desperate for something, just beg. There's no shame in begging, right? Everybody needs help on occasion. So um, ask for help. Don't steal. I don't know if this person who stole the bike was like, oh, I got me a new Christmas present. Yeah, that wasn't going to work out too well. Uh, Miss Loretta, good morning to you. Mr. Blair is joining us from Orlando, says the Christmas breeze is blowing there as well. Good morning, Irvalyn. I'm super late. Better late than never, girl. We're just getting started. I feel like I was a little bit late this morning as well. Um, so, um, the Christmas breeze is lovely. I watch a lot of Florida TV stations sometimes just for the news. Cause I like, I like to get the Florida news as closest to us. And, uh, you know, I like to camp as my old stomping ground. So over the weekend, I was watching the Tampa station for the Miss Universe pageant. And I just left it on and they were talking about some area of Tampa. You know, so much has changed in Tampa since I left in the, when did I leave? 96. 
so much has changed. Like areas that were like busy hot, hot spots have kind of had a decline. There's a whole section now of new Tampa. Is Miss Anne here? You know, um, all my Tampa folks would know. And um, honestly, I want to do a Tampa trip. This morning, my daughter woke up and one of the first things she was like, I had a dream that I went to America. And I'm like, girl, I have a dream too of going back to America at some point. But you know, normally when I go to America, it's like you go to Miami for like shopping and a quick little trip, uh, especially in the past five years since I've had her, like I really limited my overnight travel. So I tend to go for business and I make it really, really fast. Like there are days when literally I would go in the morning. Most of my trips in the past five years before COVID, it was morning, back at night, same day trip. And so whenever the time changed um, because of, you know, whatever it would fall, fall back. Yes. I think the falling back was better for me. The springing forward presented a problem because you basically lost an hour when you go to Miami. And um, that was always a bit challenging because listen, time flies, but you know, you can do a day in Miami if you're very organized. So what I found I would do is I would ship stuff because I used to actually keep a mailbox in Miami and I would ship all of my stuff there and have it all organized. I would go with my list of making sure because sometimes you show up and the mailbox forgets to give you a package if it just arrived or whatever. So you have to be really super organized and I would have everything, my list organized, um, all my receipts ready to go for customs, like the whole nine yards. And uh, it really meant that I could get it in and out in a day. And there were times when I still had time even to uh, pop into Walmart. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, right? But if I timed it just right, yeah, I can make a quick trip to Walmart and pick up all of my toiletries. And um, there were other times when I was cutting it awfully close. And I was always so grateful to the community staff because they'd be like, ooh, Sandy's on this flight. And sometimes I would literally message them. I'm like, listen, I've checked in online. I know I'm going to be late. You know, I'm coming. Don't make that plane leave without me. They're like, girl, you better hurry up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Mm -mm. Um, so she, she kind of said that and I thought, you know, man, I, I wish travel was easier right now, but I'm just not psychologically ready for the drama involved in traveling. Like it's, if it's not urgent right now, my take on it is whew, stay put, just stay put. So, um, but I think I want to do a Tampa trip because I want to go back down memory lane. Like I, I don't even want to do, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to do Miami. There is stuff in Miami for kids to do and whatever, but I don't know. And you know, the last time I went to Tampa, it was many, many years ago when I did a Tampa trip, it was so nostalgic. Like it really, like that's, that is my childhood. Like that's me growing up and coming of age and, and high school at Chamberlain. I went to junior high school. I was in elementary school, went to university at USF. And um, I've been following USF on LinkedIn. Normally I don't use LinkedIn, but lately I've been kind of 
looking at my LinkedIn profile a bit more, updating it and stuff. And they, um, USF has a heavy presence on, on LinkedIn. And so I've been reading all the stuff. They had their graduation ceremony over the past weekend. Um, they gave out thousands of degrees. Like they actually have a, I don't know, a couple thousand degree program. Like USF has grown tremendously since I left. And I saw a picture of the football field. I was like, wow, when I was there, there was no football field. And I'm wondering, like, I need to visually see it because I don't even know where all this land space came from. And if you guys, USF graduates, because I'm just like, where have they, where do they find the space for it? Because I don't remember a whole lot of land being available in that area. So I guess they've acquired other properties. I don't know. But I'm thinking to myself, where is this football field? Um, I'm just anxious to, to go and see the campus again and to really experience that. So um, there isn't, I thought I saw a picture. Kevin said the football fields to be built, but I could swear I saw a picture of a football field. What was that field that I saw? It was huge. Hmm. So they don't have, how do they have a football team without a football? Don't they have a football team without a football field? How does that work? All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And you know what? Kevin's working there now. Oh, he says that was a sketch. Oh, that's pretty realistic to me. Uh, Kevin's working there, so I'm going to expect a personal tour. Um, but where's the football field going to go, Kevin? Um, they play at the Buck Stadium. Really? You see, all that has happened since I left. Like, the Buck Stadium got expanded. Uh, back in the day, any old-time folks from Tampa... Remember when, um, I think the, the mall that used to be there, it was called Tampa Bay Mall. Uh, they tore that down, gosh, I don't even know how long ago, but that used to be one of my stomping grounds, Tampa Bay Mall, right off of, um, it used to be Buffalo, and then it changed the name of the, the street that runs quite a distance through Tampa to MLK Boulevard. And um, Louis says, take your time, Sandra, Tampa's not going anywhere. I know, right? Oh my gosh, totally, totally a walk down memory lane. I will live stream when I go to Tampa because I'm so excited to just like see everything like new Tampa. I need to see new Tampa properly. Like the last time I went new Tampa was starting up, you know, but when I was at USF, new Tampa was nothing but bush and forestry. And I think they had started to put roadways out there um, because when I was learning how to drive a stick shift, we would go in areas of Tampa where there was like nothing, light, no lights or nothing, but there were roads. There was uh, some infrastructure being put in. And so it was easier for me to learn to drive on those long stretches because <laughs> there really wasn't anybody else in the road um, back then. And uh, you know, if I made a little mistake with the gear shift, it wasn't that bad of a, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? How many, how many of y'all know how to drive a stick shift, by the way? Uh, I haven't had a stick shift car in a while. I find that driving a stick shift in Cayman is a little bit annoying because you're constantly in gear shifting mode. But it is one of those skills that I think every single person should learn how to drive a stick, just in case. What do you? Are they, they're called automatics, right? That's an automatic car. I don't even know. But you know, you get your five gears and reverse. Um, but yes, I learned how to drive one in university, and uh, I've owned a few cars in my life that were the last one I owned was before I had my um my CRV and that was a Honda that was an uh you know it's one of those cars that has two names depending on on where it's actually made but it's like the same car 
So it's an Integra, but then it's also called something else. I think it's basically the same as an Accord or something somebody was telling me back in the day. But it was an Integra, I think. Anyway, that was a stick shift. And that was the last car. And I had that right before my CRV. It's not the same driving a sticky came out because so much stop and go traffic. Uh, your legs get a real workout though. Steve, good morning. Happy birthday to Miss Shorlene Bodden, please. Okay. Happy birthday. Send a little picture and we'll put it up. Leonie, thank you so much for tuning in. Wee Wee's got it lot. Sending her rich blessings, uh, God's richest blessings to Miss Shorlene. Beautiful. Good morning, Miss Sue. Um, oh, the great grandbaby's coming today. Congratulations. Speaking of which, um, I was I went and did physio yesterday for my tennis elbows. So I'm back in physio. Um, I had to update like my referral and stuff like that. So when the physiotherapist was working on, you know, she massages it, she does um what's the little um scanner thing that she puts on there? Anyway, we were doing some therapy and she said to me, she's pregnant, and she's gonna be expecting her first child in May. And she was saying that she's also a doula. So she helps people deliver babies. And she was wondering why there are still so many restrictions in place for the birthing process because of COVID, because essentially the father of this child, because they only allow one person um, to be in the room with the mother while she's delivering, the father of the child couldn't be there as well as the, doul the, doul the doula, is that what they call them? So the wife was like, this is an impossible position to put me in. Now, mind you, her physician had told her that he would have been able to work it out and uh, get both of them in. And the hospital said, no. Mm -mm -mm. Now, you can imagine, right, being stressed out because you're having a baby and you thought your husband was going to be there because, of course, you're going to be yelling at him. You put me in this position. <laughs> um, and then he can't be there. And then she's like, you know, uh, the mother had to make a choice between the husband or the doula. And she's like, well, the doula is going to help me from a practical perspective, breathing exercises, I guess, and holding your hand and whatever, helping you to push it out. Hubby's probably going to be there just as confused as anything else. So the choice had to be made. And this wife, um, this mother made the choice to use the professional, which was a doula. And so her husband couldn't be in there. And apparently um, they were a Jewish couple. So I didn't know this, but there are rules to in the Jewish religion to having a baby. Um, apparently the husband can't, he can't be there during the actual uh, moment the baby comes out, right? So he's not able to see that process, which I'm like, okay. <laughs> Um, but afterwards, so after the baby's out and all that is done, he should be there to still welcome the baby. Like he should be the first person, I guess, to welcome the baby kind of thing. And because you choose one person and then nobody else is allowed in, that's it. He couldn't go in. And what I'm being told is not only could he not go in then, but he couldn't even go on the maternity ward afterwards. Now I'm like, wow, I, I get it. And I understand, you know, that they're trying to protect, especially the maternity ward and the pediatric ward. But we were kind of wondering if this is still a bit too restrictive. So um, 
I'm going to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the the HSA about this because there's some good questions that kind of come out of it. Um, I think that if the father wants to be there, he should be there. My gosh, probably most men are glad that they don't have to be there. Some like the ones that want to be there. Um, maybe they don't really want to be there, but you know they feel compelled to be there. Uh, make them be there. Miss hmm. Alba, Buenos dias. Joy, good morning, Louie. So the stick shift is how I started to drive also. Well, I didn't start in the stick shift, but I quickly, when I was in university, had the opportunity to learn how to drive a stick shift. And so I took up that opportunity. I was, you know, you're young and you're willing to learn new things and you should. Um, I learned in just a regular car and driver's ed when I was in high school. You know, back then you had, um, I'll, I'll never forget my driver's ed teacher. I don't remember his name, but does anybody remember names from probably in Cayman you do because it's so small here and the same teachers probably stay in the profession forever. But in the States, I can't even tell you the name of most of my teachers. The only one I remember, which is so weird that I would remember this, but my seventh grade science teacher was a man named Mr. Gentile. I do not know why his name has stuck with me all these years. And the one pivotal thing that happened when I was in seventh grade is the shuttle blew up. Um, the shuttle challenger, I think is what it was called, right? So I don't know if that's why I remember his name because of that. And he had a tarantula in class, which was kind of interesting. And he'd always be looking for bugs to feed the tarantula. But he's like the only teacher I feel like I remember their names. Like, I can't think of, even from high school, nobody really stands out. There was a lady, um, I can picture her face. She was an African-American and she was my English teacher in high school. Was that the one that I'm thinking of? Yeah. And I really, really liked her and she really, really liked me. And I remember her giving me a book. I don't know if I still have that book. But anyway, she was like super cool um, for AP English, but I can't remember her name. University, I don't even remember any of my professor's names. Like it's just bizarre. I remember the president's name that was at USF at the time, only because again, there's a backstory of how um, I actually knew her husband before I knew her, before she even became her ex-husband actually, Judge Castor. Um, he died um, many years ago, I was looking him up recently. But uh, Betty Castor, she was the first female president of USF. I don't even know if she's still alive. Is she still alive? She's also a former commissioner of education for Florida. Um, oh, she has not changed. She's 80 years old. And Betty Castor is still alive. Bless her little heart. My gosh. Uh, wow. Yep, she's married to Donald Castor. And I met him through a, um, he died in 2013 at the age of 81. So he was a little bit older than her. But I met him through a teen court program that I used to volunteer with in high school. And he was like, so impressed with my advocacy skills, my ability to get up and argue on behalf of, you know, a client or whatever, because I'll have to tell you all about teen court one day. But um, it was a really good program that allowed youth offenders a second chance. 
And he was so impressed watching me when he was presiding over the proceedings one day. He pulled me aside and he said, young lady, you have a real talent for advocacy and for the law. And I think you could go far if this was what you want to do. And I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. And da, da, da. So he's like, tell me any law school in Florida that you want to attend and you're in. I will write you. That's all it took. I will write you glowing recommendations. Your grades are good. Well, this was high school. So I hadn't entered university. So he's like, make sure when you go to university, your grades are good. Keep up your grades. And in fact, he was the man who gave me the advice because I said to him, well, I want to go to law school. I mean, you know, that's the eventual goal. Um, what should I study in university? And he said, because, you know, some schools have like a pre-med program. They have like kind of a pre-law program. A lot, a lot of people don't have pre-law, but they have uh, people do like political science and these other things, right? And he said, forget it. He did political science, as I recall him telling me. But he said, you know what? If I had to do it all over again, I would actually become an English major. And I thought, an English major? And he said, yeah. He said, the one skill you need as a lawyer above all else is knowing how to write really well and how to have great comprehension skills. So you got to read complex things and then you've got to be able to break it down, understand it. Da, 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 da. So he's like, I would become an English major. You can do political science as like a minor or whatever. And I thought about it and I said, wow, this is an experienced judge. He must know what he's talking about. And I took his advice. And that is why at USF, I did professional and technical writing, which is under the English department on his advice. That's why you listen to seasoned people. And then I went to USF and then um, probably like my second or third year at USF, Betty Castor became ironically um, I don't think her and her husband were together at the time. They had already divorced and whatever. But, you know, she kept her name or whatever. And um, she, wow, she's in the Florida's, Florida Women's Hall of Fame even. But she um, became the first female president at USF. And I had the opportunity to interview her for, because I used to write for the school newspaper. And I did an interview with her, which was super awesome. Um, yeah, so cool. See, when did she become president? In 1994 or 1994, she became president of the University of South Florida. Yes. Um, I want to say in 1994, and I graduated like the year after, I think I, I did December of 95 for my graduation, I think. Um, but anyway, I actually interviewed her for the school paper. I got to go one day and look up the archives for our school newspaper, see if I can find some of my old articles. You guys might find those good to read. Fun. Anywho, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember anybody else's name from USF. Uh, nobody else, I guess, made that much of an impression. Good morning, Lizette. Miss Sue is here. Um, she's been in the hospital since last night, and our grandson is is with her. Nobody else allowed. Yeah. Well, hopefully, is this his first child? Um, hopefully, he's very calm and supportive. Good morning to Peter. Peter's got a little puppy that was feeling under the weather this weekend, but I think she's on the mend. So good, to, so good to hear that, Peter. Um. Larry says, I was there when my daughter came out. I didn't find it very pleasant to see. 
You know, Larry, um, this might sound really bizarre, but I actually do believe that there are probably certain things that men shouldn't experience in life. And there's a reason why you're not the one giving birth. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I don't, I, listen, I don't think men should. I don't have an issue with a man being in the room. Uh, my husband was there. It was a C-section, so all of that was covered. I didn't see anything. He didn't see anything. Um, but, you know, when the baby came out and whatever, and they kind of cleaned her up a little bit, he was the first to be able to hold her kind of thing. Um, they did put her uh, by me first, and then he was able to. He actually escorted Dr. Sarah Watkins with her to the NICU unit because they were like, okay, we got to get her to NICU and whatever. So that was a scheduled C-section, which I think is a little bit different, but you know, he was there with her. And um, I think that they they purposely did it that way. So that not that I don't think any baby came out has ever gotten mixed up, but you never know, you know, so they wanted um, a parent or someone to follow. Um, who knows, maybe the doctor might accidentally drop the baby, God forbid, or whatever, you know, uh, they just want you to be there to see the baby get properly transported um, to the NICU. So he was able to do that. And man, the two of them Oh my gosh, I think the, the relationship between a father and a daughter has to be one of the most amazing things. I mean, they were bonded before she was even born. Like he'd be talking to her and telling her to kick and she would kick on, on command. Like it was the most bizarre thing. Um, so yeah, but Larry, I don't think you should have probably seen that. Uh, Odette, hey Oscar, how you doing? Good morning, happy Wednesday. Says I'm loving your purple lips. It's on point and it fits you. Uh, very well. Pow! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sometimes I like to mix it up a little bit, Oscar. Feeling feisty today. Put on some nice purple lips. Uh, Juanita, so I'm going to court this morning. Um, thank you, essentially, if all parties are vaccinated. In the, in the hospital? Um, no, these people, everybody was vaccinated. And everybody actually lateral flow test or PCR test or whatever as well. Even the doula had to do that. Um, Larry says, in the early 70s, my second grade teacher told me that I'd be alive in the year 2000. Since then, 49 years flew by. Unbelievable. Can I tell you something, Larry, about the year 2000? Uh, pretty crazy. But I was a kid, obviously. And I remember before 2000, everybody thought the world was going to end, computers were going to crash, everything was going to explode. You know, there was so much uncertainty. And I think as a child, you didn't always understand what all these things meant. Like, oh my God, if computers stop working, does the world end? Like it was a big deal, right? And so I was in the, I want to say the fourth or fifth grade, and I just moved to the US, right? And so there were kids there talking about in the year 2000, how old are you going to be? And I remember counting on my fingers, you know, kids are still counting. And I was like counting. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this. And I actually like ran out of fingers. You know, when you're a kid and you, ran, you run out of your 10 fingers, you're like, that's a long ways off. <laughs> and the year 20, 2000 came and went. And child, it wasn't that big of a deal after all. And um, yeah, we're still here. And it's actually 21 years later. <laughs> If you can believe it. So crazy. It's so weird how you see certain aspects um, of your life, right? 
So in the year 2000, let me see how old I would have been in 2000. I can't remember. I need to do the math. So I was 27 in 2000. Yeah. Still young and spry and full of hope. Uh, Miss Senor Luis Brown says, good morning, Sandy. Did you hear about the bad news in Haiti? Uh, where I where a gas truck got in an accident, people started looting the truck for gas and it exploded, <gasps> killing at least 60 people. Oh my God. No, I didn't hear that, but I'm sure Renee is... Uh, mm, mm -mm. I'm sure Renee's on that story. Um, so it'll probably be up on the website if it isn't already. Sometimes in the morning... You know, Renee's a new mom, so I feel like her schedule is kind of all over the place, but she'll be writing stories early in the morning while I'm on the show. And uh, let me see if she's put up anything. So I'll get notifications that we then send out. Mm. Nothing yet for the morning. Wow. Damn. That's crazy. Well, wow. Wow. You know, we have a um, friend at the Miami Herald. She is the um, English-speaking correspondent for the Miami Herald. And she does um, she does a lot of the uh, pretty much all the news out of Haiti. I think her mom or her parents um, are Haitian. So she speaks, I believe she speaks the language um, and everything. She, and she's always there. Whenever something major happens, she's there. So, um, yeah, at least 62 people dead after a gas tanker explodes in Haiti's second largest city. Whoa. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Man, those poor Haitians, like, they can't catch a break. Oh my goodness, a mess. Ah, oh, my Lord, leaving dozens dead and injured. My God, what the heck? Uh, that is one crazy place. I feel sorry for them. Local hospitals overwhelmed. Of course they would be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, letting me know. But yeah, I had not even heard of that story. So much goes on in the world. Ms. Gladys, good morning. How are you? Tracy says, any update on last night's stabbing? So um, what I do know from last night is a little bit sketchy. So sources said initially there was a shooting at Archie's bar and then there was a stabbing. And then somebody said there was a shooting and a stabbing. The police haven't said anything yet. Something definitely happened. And it's entirely possible that shots were fired. And I think someone was injured from the stabbing. Now, are they related situations? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody tried to shoot somebody, missed, and then they stabbed them. Who knows? Uh, someone who was, who was in my news group, they're so funny. They jokingly said um, last night, trying to figure out the order of events or whatever. So they're like, hold on a second. 
Did they throw a bullet and it stabbed somebody? You're such a nut. I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. So we will await further details, Tracy. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot on that one as yet. Um, by the way, Tracy, you're always asking about um, the police case. Remember, there's that one police rape case, whatever. I have it on good authority that that one is coming up uh, very, very soon. So I feel like I've either seen it on the court list or something. But I do believe um, that that situation will be coming to trial soon. You know, came out and soon come. So probably within... I haven't looked at the grand court list today. Right now, they're kind of winding down, so there's not going to be like any like major trials starting right now necessarily. Um, although I did see people still showing up for jury duty. So let me see. I'm going to tell you what's on the court list. So I was in court on Monday. Like I said, um, the situation with Mike Adam and his uh, family continues to be an ongoing saga. Now, let me say something about this. You guys know that I don't like this guy, Mendoza. I'm going to just be very honest with you. He's just not a, a, he's not an upstanding person at all. And he plays the victim when it's convenient for him to do so. And I have seen him act and operate, operate otherwise. So in court, oh, he's like so quiet. He's the victim, this and that. But, you know, he's actually a real a-hole. Truth be known, the dude is like straight up unbelievable. And I feel like he hoodwinks the court a lot. So shout out to Philippa McFarlane. Her and I actually went to law school together. You might not know this. And we were roommates for a really brief period of time as well while we were in law school. Um, she rented from me, actually. I guess technically I was her landlord at one moment. But a really smart person. And she, you know, wanted to look at this situation, I think, very, very carefully. And she requested um, an SIR, a social inquiry report, and all of the parties involved, meaning the accused. So it was Mike, Adam, and his two sons. And, you know, she had a victim impact statement, and she wanted to really get a fuller picture of what had been going on. So that's why I think they had um, requested the SIR. And basically what she said in court is, listen, you guys really need to get a hold of this situation because, as she rightfully said, this is the sort of situation that can ruin your life. And that's no joke. It really can ruin your life when you have a neighbor who's constantly pushing you to the edge. Because, of course, the possibility of you one day um, really going off on your neighbor no longer becomes common assault. It friggin' becomes like murder or something else, right? And of course, nobody wants that to happen. But this guy pushes the envelope in a very different way. He knows how to push people's. He's a narcissist. <laughs> and he really knows how to push people's buttons, unfortunately. And so the family, the Adam family, they continue to be tortured by him. And it seems like, you know, they're the only ones who are being hauled into court for it. He keeps getting off and the police 
whenever they lodge a complaint, the police are like, oh, well, that's not really harassment. We don't have enough evidence. It's like unbelievable. So anyway, um, no conviction recorded, which I think was the right thing in the circumstances. She recommended mediation where they sit down and try to work this out. But in my mind, what is there to work out right now? You see, the 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 um, the government has control of the situation. So the government has already started the process of making this a public road. It's in the final stages. They already have started clearing the road and doing the whole nine yards. And he stopped it with an injunction so he could run the court with some frivolous argument. Now that that argument has been turned down by the court, I think the attorney general needs to advise the NRA to proceed as quickly as possible. Because this dude, he will not stop. Let me be very, very clear. He's the kind of neighbor that does end up on, uh, what's the name of the show? On Discovery ID, Fear Your Neighbor. He's that guy. He's the guy next door that will just keep allowing stuff to escalate. That's why when I sat there and I heard the very wise words of Magistrate McFarland, I'm like, oh, she doesn't know this dude. He's, he's next level crazy. I even feel sorry for his wife because I can't help but wonder with that kind of personality. You know, I, I always look at couples like that. Like when you see husbands that are like, you have a conversation with them and they come at you as a woman or they're real narcissists, whatever, you have to know that in their personal relationships, although you may not have seen it yourself, that something probably not right there either. You know, and she's just doing what he says that she needs to do, probably out of fear. And then everybody looks at her thinking, oh, you just like him. Well, maybe that's not the full story. Anyway, um, Mediation has been recommended. She's put certain terms and conditions on the no conviction recorded. They have to be of good behavior. And she she then said, I hasten to say that this goes both ways. So she recognizes that the neighbors are really the antagonizers and they're always, you know, pushing the Adam family to the brinks. And to be honest, they have been, in my opinion, <laughs> very, very patient. I mean, other people would have burned the dude's house down by now. If he, if he still lived in the States, if he still lived in New Jersey where he's from, this, this would have ended in a totally different way. You guys remember the Philadelphia story that we covered in CMR um, about the neighbors who shot and killed the other guy for blowing stuff in his lawn? That's how Americans are. They're, they're crazy. And um, they take things to the next level. So... You know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And I feel like what needs to now happen is this situation needs to quickly um, de-escalate by putting the road in and taking this completely out of the hands of this man. He has no control anymore over the situation. But look at what he said most recently. And I'm sure Philippa McFarland did not see these comments. But this is what the dude had up on 
The Compass did an article, I think about two weeks ago, when it was put off, when the sentencing was put off. And they made it sound like it was a kumbaya movement where Mike Adams apologized and shook the man's hand, which he did do. I'm not saying that's not, that's not what happened. But they made it sound like, oh, yeah, this is now going to be resolved. But look at what this guy is commenting and saying on the Compass story about that just a couple weeks ago. He basically says a lot of things. Um, but he says, essentially... But he's not even accepting the apology. So I don't know how the compass came to a conclusion that this was all over and everybody is now fine. But listen to what he says. Mike Adam, I hope this final comment to this post finds you. Oh, so disgusting. I'm sure he was commenting, saying all kinds of stuff. As I will state some clear, I will state some facts just so the public is crystal clear. As I'm not the one having to put on a facade. So he accuses Mike Adams of being, I guess, disingenuous even with the apology. And, oh, you have to put on a facade. I've accepted your apology just for this incident. Mm -mm -mm. But an apology is not going to fix the current issues, really. What about everything else? Perhaps what about an apology to those that have been or possibly continue to be dragged into this mess? You see, this dude is just a hot mess times 20. He just, he just, he just not letting this shit go. The, the dude is just like Wilson Mendoza is like, my God. You know, so he wants an apology for every single little incident. Like, seriously. Um, what does he want? A written apology laying out what, what, you know, <laughs> the dude is just a narcissist. He should be apologizing to the Adams family when he almost killed Miss uh, Lissa, when she couldn't even get into her house. Not her, the uh, ambulatory services couldn't get to her house because he had big boulders in the roadway. And the EMTs had to get out of the ambulance and remove the boulders in order to take her to the hospital. But no, a narcissist never apologizes for anything because they're always right. He goes on to say a number of other things. And he says... Now, this is interesting. If you want uninterrupted access, I suggest you take that option. So he thinks that the Adam family own a piece of property behind them. He should update a, a record search and see that that's actually not the case. Um, they purchased property for their children and it's been transferred to their children. So they don't own it. But that's that was has been his argument. Oh, use another, create another access point. So the one that's been there for 45 years, let's ignore that, give that back to me, and we'll create another one just to appease me. This is like a top level narcissist kind of thinking, right? So he says, <laughs> if you want uninterrupted access, I suggest you take that option because you will soon not get it. If any other incident arises, you can't say, I didn't, I didn't tell, told you so. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So he gets to dictate how this is going to work. Listen, the government has already taken control of the property and it is a public road. 
They have to complete the process, I should say. NRA, if you're paying attention, please de-escalate the situation by completing the public roadway. The other benefit to all the families in, in the area is once it's a public roadway, the NRA will maintain it. They can put in proper CUC infrastructure, proper internet infrastructure, and so on and so forth. This man believes that he can tell everybody what to do. But there is a court decision that found against him and uh, Crosby Solomon, not Crosby Solomon, Crosby Ebanks, who was also joining him in this lawsuit. So he got the injunction to stop the government. Now he's lost the case. And so, you know, I think it's time now for the government to do what they got to do. But he, you see in his head, why or how he thinks, but the police have been called so many times. It's just unbelievable. I, I'm going to give you guys this link. I don't even remember when this one was uh, written. This was when? This was in... 2020, November the 5th of 2020, last year, we did a piece called Fear Thy Neighbor. West Bay Land Saga appears to have no end in sight. And this kind of laid out over um, 32 phone calls to the police. I'm sure it's gone up since then. You know, just complaint after complaint, fear, provocation of violence, this, that, the next thing. My God, it's always something. And the guy just isn't going to let up. That's the disturbing thing about this. Well, Aliano, they didn't do anything about it until we were out there protesting. And CMR and others brought it to their attention. They finally jumped up and said, okay, we'll make it a roadway. Now they just have to complete that process, right? What a hot mess. So folks, um, tis the season. I'm sure you guys are thinking about Christmas gifts and uh, how you want to treat and support your loved ones. So there's a lot of options available to you and I always recommend shop local if you can. And uh, encourage you to shop at Prodigy Jewelers. Now, you guys know, I actually don't have on my, um, my necklace today, but normally I'm wearing it here in the show, my coat of arms. They make such beautiful Cayman-themed jewelry. And um, I have a couple pieces from them. Now, I've got the flag. Now, the flag is one of a kind. Have I ever showed you guys the flag? I hardly ever wear it. Because I don't want y'all to be getting no ideas that you can get one. Because it's one of a kind. Nobody else can have that flag. You can get other creations. And the beautiful thing about David, uh, by the way, I had birthday lunch with him yesterday and a few other people. Um, so happy birthday again, David. He's going to celebrate the entire month of December into January. Um, the great thing about it is you can go in there with a concept idea. And David is going to create something for you. 
So have a look at this beautiful artwork. Looking for the perfect gift for your loved ones? Why not give them the gift of Reliable Supplies? That's right. Reliable Supplies offers beautiful custom gift baskets with the products of your choice. We carry a wide range of cleaning and disinfecting products and gift certificates to fill your Christmas gift baskets. Gift certificates are ideal for any of our products or cleaning and industrial services. The perfect gift for your loved ones is the perfect gift from Reliable Supplies. Custom gift baskets with your favorite reliable products contact reliable supplies for your gift baskets and gift certificates for the holiday season at 949-9303 or visit us at 313 compass drive conveniently located off north sound road Lots of uh, options there for you. At least I just saw something on my news blotter. <laughs> um, I know exactly what that is. Hold on one second. So yes, um, stop by. They're there in the village is the area we call it in the Thompson building, right off of Dr. Roy's drive. Drive, and I see. Um, Conveniently located, I should say. So, folks, um, uh, let me see here, Winnie. All right. Uh -huh. All right. So, yes, um, we hope that this situation uh, gets taken care of soon by the National Roads Authority and the road actually goes in. That kills the argument. Argument done. All right. Let's move on to what else is um, trending in the news. So that was part of what happened um, on Monday. And... Uh, 
I was also, um, interestingly enough, uh, watching a couple other cases. So there's one with the um, the gun incident. This couple, Marcus Manderson, he's 33 years old, and Thalia Barnes. I don't know. Is she like part of the Barneses or related to my Barneses? I don't know, because the Barneses are all kind of mixed up at the moment. But she um, is only 24 years old, and she looks like she's been in and out of court quite a bit already for 24-year-old. And they're accused of having an unlicensed firearm and ammunition, which is a serious offense, folks, because here, you know, if they get convicted of that, they are going down for, depends on how it rolls out. So if they don't plead guilty, uh, it's 10 years. If they plead guilty, it is um, seven years. And so, mm -mm -mm. not a good look. Y'all need to have conversations with your young people about the dangers of engaging in certain kind of behavior. So you guys know the scoop these days, right? Here she is, Thalia Barnes. And uh, it's not a particularly good picture of her, but what I've discovered is since CMR is around, uh, a lot of these young people, they be hiding on social media because they know we're going to look them up and we're going to grab their photos and all that kind of stuff. So as soon as they get arrested or they start to get in trouble with the law, this is Marcus at Manderson. They hide their profiles so that we don't get to see them <laughs> as though, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, but there they are. And uh, he's got a couple things back and forth. So they're both in police custody. He will be going to, they're going to reappear in court today on the firearm offense. And then they will be, uh, I guess, requesting bail. So who knows if they'll get bail because... It's possible to get bail for all sorts of offenses. So on Monday, she was a bit, she said, she claims that um, Mr. Furness was holding the, the fort for um, Krista Brady, who's, I guess, who they've selected as their lawyer, right? And Krista Brady was in another court dealing with another matter in Grand Court. So this was summary court, first appearance, summary court. So he asked Mr. Feld, Mr. Um, Furness to hold down the, the fort for him. And so Mr. Felder is like, you know, he's just repeating what Brady told him. Like, this is a situation. She's claiming that she doesn't know anything about the firearm. And the two of them were being uh, brought in by video link from the detention center. So then she says, your honor, I have something I want to say. And it was like, oh. So I even had to reposition myself in court so I could look at the screen and I'm like, who the heck is this girl? Because uh, normally where media sits, the, the screen is like right behind us, the video link screen. So we can't always see it in that position. So I had to reposition myself so I could see these parties. And she basically said that she wanted to address the court. She wanted to address the, the magistrate and the magistrate's like, okay, what do you want to say? And then she started to get like a little bit emotional like she was, I don't know if she was crying yet, but she couldn't bring herself to say what she wanted to say. And then um, the judge said, well, do you need some time to compose yourself? And she said, yes. And the judge said, well, uh, let's come back at two o'clock and, uh, you know, you write it down 
and then that'll help you say what you need to say. Well, apparently they came back at 1.30, so they got there early, so I didn't miss it. But then she changed her mind. She decided not to say anything. But the interesting thing about it um, is that um, the... The, um, it seems like she didn't want the man there when she made her comments. So I don't really know what that was all about. Like she wanted to address the, the judge, but actually didn't want him there. So I don't know if she was feeling like intimidated by him. Or I, I don't know. It was it, it was very bizarre to be honest. So I'm I'm curious to see kind of how that uh, pans out. I guess. But girl, um, they said they were still waiting on DNA and forensics on the weapon. And so basically, if they find any kind of fingerprints or whatever on the weapon, she needs to be very careful because she's going to be going to jail for a long time. So I would suggest, you know, she thinks carefully as a 24-year-old. So think about this. She's only 24 years old. If she goes to jail for 10 years, she's going to serve 60% of that. She's still relatively young. She's still got a long time ahead of her. But, you know, I feel like when these sorts of things, like once you start going down that particular um, road in life, it's really difficult to turn that around. Hmm. I don't know. I can only say good luck to the both of them, I guess. Uh, if you made a mistake and, you know, the best thing to do, in my opinion, is just to own up to it. Don't waste the court's time. Because if they turn around and find you guilty after you've wasted their time, they're going to make sure that you pay for that with an additional three years on your sentence. That's how the court does it. What a hot mess. So there's another lady in court on Monday. Um, her name is Rankin. Let me tell you her first name. Um, so, you know, ironically, when CMR walks into the courthouse, when I go to court, I feel like people automatically are like, oh, shit. Like, you get the short end of the stick when CMR walks in because... We're going to be reporting on your case. And most people don't listen. I have heard people say they would rather go to jail than to end up on CMR. Like they don't like their issue isn't going to jail necessarily, but they don't want people to know. 
I find that so bizarre. So Donna Ann Rankin is in court for theft for stealing over $2,300 from her employer, decided to, um, you know, she's supposed to be putting stuff in the bank, uh, in the company account, and she didn't do that. She put it in her own pocket, I guess, and she claims that she had some obligations in Honduras, um, trying to help family. People always have excuses when they steal money. I mean, honestly, it's like, really? <laughs> they always have an excuse, and the court will accept the excuses like they don't ask for verification like well can you show us where you sent the money to under they don't you know it's it's an excuse oh yes mitigating circumstance you had poor family in honduras i'm like well who doesn't have poor family that's still not a reason to steal so anyway she gets herself in some trouble with her sticky fingers and uh, she ends up stealing from her employer and so the judge is like, "Ooh, this is another breach of breach of trust case." Now, here's the thing about it, right? If you um, steal from someone, and it's an employer, so you were in a position of trust as opposed to like a total stranger or whatever, the judge. And the court sees that as like a higher level offense, right? Because of the position you were in. So somebody trusted you as an employee to do the banking, to collect payments, issue receipts and all this sort of thing. So it does not bode well when you breach that trust. So that happened and the judge ended up because she's got an elderly parent at home that relies on her and she does have a teenager as well that relies on her. Um, she's a sole provider allegedly for those individuals. She was saved jail time, but she was given strict um house arrest conditions. So she's got to wear an ankle monitor. And so this was kind of like the compromise in lieu of sending her to jail. Now, this isn't the first time that she's done this, by the way. She was convicted back in 2013. And at that time, she had another excuse again. And they actually, she actually got um, a suspended sentence. So you know how you will have... Um, a conviction that's spent. So I'm sure you guys have heard this term before. So basically you can go and get a clean police record and no show, no longer shows up on your police record. Well, I think there's one thing to understand. Spent convictions are really designed for the purposes of travel. So to be able to travel and access overseas, you know, um, travel opportunities as well as largely for employment opportunities. So a conviction is never spent as far as the court is concerned. I think this is something important that the magistrate mentioned, and it's something important to let people know. So if you have a spent conviction and you think, oh, if I commit an offense and I go to court, they're not going to know about this previous conviction, not so, not so fast. So they will know. So they're pulling up this 2013 
um, conviction. And, you know, listen, uh, the judge was like, you've done this before. You've stolen from someone. I can't remember if it was an employer, but it was another breach of trust situation before. So here we are again. So poor um, lady, I saw her afterwards, Miss Donna Ann, because uh, she was downstairs waiting on her ankle bracelet and stuff like that to get sorted out. And I, um, she said to me, Miss Sandra, can you please not put this on Cayman Maroon? And I said, honey, I wish I could help you, but I can't. At the end of the day, if I do it for you, then I have to do it for everybody else. I wouldn't be able to report on anything in court. I'm sympathetic. And I gave her some encouraging words. I said, girl, just hang in there. Don't steal from people again would be my best advice. Hang in there and know that this moment will pass. You know, that's all I can tell you. Nothing is permanent. This moment will pass. And you'll be okay. All I can say is, you know, we have an obligation to report the news. Sometimes it's not always pleasant. Um, a lot of the court stuff, yes, it's not pleasant. You know, people don't want to hear it. Not that people don't want to hear it. The, the, the people who are in the news don't want to be in the news. And so they have a lot of regrets afterwards. And I wish that there was something that we could do to assist with that. But the God's honest truth is, you know, my best advice is just don't break the law. It's easy, in fact, not to show up on CMR. And the way that you do that is you just don't break the law. <laughs> And I guess sometimes you luck out and that I can't be everywhere all the time. So I cover the news, um, most of the court stuff. Sometimes if it's by Zoom, I do um, have Renee cover it or whatever. So some of the bigger cases, you know, she can actually log in. Uh, so, yeah. So she was, she seemed, she seemed, um, you know, she seemed sympathetic. Um, not sympathetic, but what's the word I'm looking for? She seemed remorseful. And that's good. Remorse is good, but you know, it's kind of like you've already done it. So one of those situations. Um, 
So, yeah. All right. So that story is going to go up a little bit later on. Uh, Junior says going to watch the police and DPP screw this one up too. Um, I would love to see a court live stream. Well, they don't. Um, They don't um, allow, unfortunately, and I, I think this is something that should be changed with the courts. They don't allow people to, even if they're streaming it, they don't allow you to share the live stream. Uh, apparently, we're not there yet. You know, it's just one of those things where we're not there yet. Simona says, if she asks, I think you should leave her alone. Why? <laughs> Everybody would be asking that. And we wouldn't be reporting anything that happens in court. Um, the irony of it is I often think when people ask me stuff like that is, would you ask the compass? Would you walk up to a compass reporter and say, oh, don't report in this case? That's not how it works. <laughs> uh, people report, news media reports people who are arrested, people who are charged, people who are in court. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether you ask or not. There would be murderers be like, oh, don't report on me. Oh, okay, you've asked, no problem. You asked me nicely, so we won't report on this major case. It is bizarre that people even think that way. To me, that doesn't make any logical sense. Uh, it's not how newspapers around the world or anywhere else works. You know? Yep, that's not how it works. So did you guys see this case about this man who um, killed his ex-girlfriend and his ex-wife in the US? When I saw this video, I'm trying to see if I can find it. I can't remember who had it up on, uh, I saw it on Instagram. And it occurred to me that this is a situation where the dude is clearly a narcissist when you listen to his words before he goes and shoots his ex-wife. So the video is showing him um, after he shot the girlfriend who was pregnant. And then he was like, well, I mean, what is that saying? I'm in for, if you're in for a pound, you're in for a whatever. So you might as well go all the way kind of thing. So that seems to be, to have been his motto. In for penny, in for pound. He's like, all right, I'm already in for penny. I killed one person. And he basically said, I'm not going to jail. So he already made that determination. And the only way you don't go to jail in the US for murdering someone is maybe, if it was self-defense or um, maybe 
if it was uh, I don't know, maybe maybe if you're the right person and you just get off because you know you're well connected or you have some kind of excuse or whatever, or police officers in the US, they get off a lot too. So this dude um, was trying to justify his behavior and I thought, wow, this is so interesting. Really, really interesting that he thinks the way that he does. As I watched the video, I thought to myself, so interesting. Anyway, um, he said, "I killed the I killed the ex girlfriend. This is why, and now I'm going to kill my ex wife." Like I said, in for a penny, in for a pound. Dude is crazy. So, um. I'm going to see if I can show you guys this video. All right, hold on one second. So his way of thinking is just like crazy. All right, here he is. His name, we actually did a story on this. Renee covered this story. Rajay Sharif Black is his name. And here he is. I thought that I would be doing this, but um, I gotta make it quick. For everybody out there that supported me and really knows what's going on, thank you all. Um, I've been going through a custody battle. I've been going through um, having my ex-wife say I molested my children and all kinds of craziness. Been fighting for custody for three years. So, uh, you know, Shit has been real crazy. What's up, Oliver? You know about this. Um, going through it with my ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. So meet, you know, and start dating somebody new. And she got pregnant. And, um, you know, we got in a fight. First thing she does is threatening that she's going to do the same thing. Never going to see your kids, blah, blah, blah. It's the holidays, man. I don't have no family, nothing. Anyway, I just did something crazy, man. I just shot my ex-girlfriend in the head, yo. Um felt like a dream like I never thought I would be that guy um, I can't go to prison so the person that really started my depression and all of this is my ex-wife so she next and then I'm going to do myself too but I just wanted to say this to people don't play with people's emotions man don't lie on these men Oh, here's my ex-wife right here. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. So it looks like he grabbed the ex-wife right then and there and killed her and then shot and killed himself. Uh, pretty crazy. He This is him doing a live video. You know, this is the kind of, I was thinking about this. I'm like, damn. This is probably when you want to still be keeping an eye on your exes because maybe she was still friends with him on uh, social media. She would have seen the live where he's basically saying, I'm going to come and kill you. And I would have been opening no door. 
I don't know how else he would have gotten in the house, but maybe, I don't know if she had a gun to protect herself or she could have called 911 or, but I mean, I guess it happened so quickly. That's that's 30 something seconds. Uh, people watching that live, did anybody say, oh damn, he's going to do this. I'm going to call the police right now. They probably couldn't get there in enough time. So he shot the ex-wife, he shot the ex-girlfriend and killed them both and then ended up killing himself. Now he claims that, um, you know, it's all their fault. And again, I saw this, I thought, mm, narcissist, it's all their fault. I, I, she, you know, she's the blame for my depression. She's the reason why I'm having issues. Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you get professional help when you're suffering from depression. You don't go kill people. You feel me? <laughs> this dude um, seems a little bit off. Uh, and then he blames everybody else. So the ex-wife is the one who started it. The ex-girlfriend, it's her fault for now claiming she's going to take my kid away from me. And here's the thing, folks. We don't know anything about this man, his story, whatever. This is 30 seconds of him telling us his version of what went down. Hmm. It's just unbelievable. So he says, oh, you know, we're having child custody issues. And so, you know, th this is what I'm going to do. Wow. Mm -mm. So the couple's two children were unhurt in his gray BMW outside the woman's apartment. So it looks like he was actually returning the kids to her. So of course, she probably wouldn't have thought anything about going outside to collect her children. You know, these types of things, um, unfortunately, happen all the time. <sighs> very, very sad. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It's a sad situation. Apparently, he was also trying to sue the University of Maryland medical system in January, claiming he had been wrongfully fired after exposing a doctor who had allegedly was stashing drugs in his locker. Mm. The dude has some issues, but the common thread is he doesn't take any accountability for his behavior and uh, is always blaming other people. That's like when, when you show up to court and you fall into that category where you're always blaming other people for your behavior and you never take any accountability. The courts don't really look kindly on that sort of thing because they know, oh, this person's going to be a repeat offender. They, yeah, it's not going to end well. They'll be in and out of the revolving doors of the judicial system. 
So Louie reminds us that the parents of the Oxford, Michigan teen have also been charged. Uh, there's so much more to that story than meets the eye, Louie. In fact, not only did they provide or buy him this gun, but he had done something with it right after purchasing it. And they were called into the school or whatever, like, you know, he was getting in a little bit of trouble. And they actually posted something to him saying, oh, you got to be more careful. So they were encouraging that kind of behavior in their son. And guess what? They were the only parents at that school after they heard about the school shooting that then messaged, they text him and said, oh my God, you did not just do this. Tell us you didn't do this. No other parent thought, oh, there's a school shooting. Um, another student must have done it and it's my son. So they knew that obviously their child should not have had a gun. If that's the first thing that comes to your mind after purchasing your child a weapon is that, oh yeah, they just killed, how many kids did he shoot? 10, six, whatever. Then you should, your child shouldn't have had a gun for sure. Highly irresponsible, but there are other things as well why the prosecution is holding them responsible. It's not just because they're his parents. There's actually things that they did that amount to, I think, criminal negligence where they should have definitely seen this coming. Um, Sue says the U.S. seems worse than before. No, the U.S. has always been crazy. Junior says that's not depression. That's just been crazy. And listen, this sort of thing unfortunately, has always happened in the United States of America. Men, women, um, you know, murder suicides. They murder one person, then kill themselves. This is a double murder suicide. They were all nurse... Um, They're all nurses at Baltimore area hospitals, which is kind of weird. Someone saw the picture that we use and they're like, they look like the same people. Are they the same people? Well, I guess he had a certain type. They were all nurse uh, anesthesiologists. Oh, God. Anesthesiologists. Hold on. We need, we need our, our dictionary. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No excuse not to be able to pronounce the word anymore. Hold on. Uh -huh. And this. Anesthetist. 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 <laughs> like you can say the longer word, anesthesiologist, but you can't show, you can't say the shorter version of it. Anesthetist. Anesthetist. You guys know what I'm talking about. So all of them worked at, um, they worked at, at area hospitals. So he shot the, the girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, Tara LaBang, who's 41 years old, in South Baltimore. He then traveled to Columbia, gunned down his ex-wife, Wendy Natalie Black, who's 42 years old. Now he's from Hanover. Um, and he did this Facebook live video talking about he just did something crazy. And he says that he just shot her in the head and claims it felt like a dream. 
And then he was going to kill his ex-wife and himself, which he ended up doing. So um, she, the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend worked at Ascension St. Agnes Hospital. And of course they were like, her coworkers like, wow, this is horrible. Um, very sad. <sighs> what a mess. Very, very sad. Wendy Black, the ex-wife, worked at Howard County General Hospital in the same position for nearly five years. It's so weird that they were all connected in that way. And he had been a nurse anesthetist at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs since June of 2020. You know, folks, at the end of the day, I think whatever it is you're going through, um, deciding to kill somebody and then kill yourself is just isn't the right answer, right? Um, Louis says, all we get from that is that he's the killer and the suicidal plan was made. Premeditation is murder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And this is the thing. They never think about the children that they're leaving behind because now um, those two children don't have a mother and they don't have a father. And in the most horrific way, they're now left knowing that their dad killed their mom. Mm-mm-mm. Good morning, Mr. Tommy. Junior says maybe he was just keeping it in the medical industry in terms of his relationships, I guess. So he'd been in a lengthy custody battle with the ex-wife for some three years. Here's important to note. Records also showed a history of domestic violence charges, but does not show who filed the charges. See what I'm telling y'all? This is it. He's no angel here, folks. This is not a situation where we should be feeling sorry for him. This is a dude who, typical narcissist, has had his way all these years, and now he's pissed off on this particular day, so somebody's going to pay with their life. That's, that's how this works. Uh-uh-uh. Louie. Says we had to hold the schools and everyone that is trusted with the safety of our children responsible. But I agree that safety starts from home. Parents, uh, these big bearded children that look sometimes act like adults are still youth in their minds. Yeah, the ex-girlfriend was pregnant, which is so sad. Um, maybe he was stressed out in that moment about paying child support for another child because that relationship wasn't working out. People just do crazy things, I'm telling you. So sad. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know what else to say in terms of that, except 
I'm hopeful that they can, um, the children will be able to get grief counseling and get some relief. Mm -mm -mm. What a hot mess. So someone was asking um, here about who was the, um, they said they missed a show yesterday, but they were asking who was the politician with the land situation. So that was Alden McLaughlin. But go back to the show and watch it. And you'll understand what we had to say yesterday. Um, apparently. Yeah, someone said, morning, I missed a show yesterday. Curious to know which politician bought land. Can I go back to watch it? Yes, you can go back on YouTube. And uh, you can go back to Facebook. And watch it at both locations. I don't know if our primary YouTube channel is up yet. I would have to check and see. Um, I can never tell. Like when they finally decide to unblock you, you don't even know because they don't exactly tell you. Um, it could be that it's back up. Can I try it now in real time and see? Miss Rita, buenos dias. Good morning. So this Cayman Brock kid, this is another person that is very, very disturbed. Um, Jeffrey Scott, he's now back in court again for assaulting his brother this time. This story is gonna go up, I think, momentarily. Waiting on uh, Renee to put this story up. But this kid has got some issues. Mm -mm -mm. I don't know. You know, there are people who say that the parents spoiled him and they gave him everything he wanted and no rules, no discipline, no nothing. And now he's like, an adult. Oh, by the way, the regular YouTube channel is working now. Hi, three people that just logged on. We're back in business on that one. But like like both the backup channel and the primary channel, because when one is down, you know, we're good to go. Um, so Jeffrey Scott is this kid's name. Here he is. He's a real piece of work. You know, he had the audacity to be trying to scare me in court and sending me signals and all kind of stuff. I'm like, dude. They should put the jail on top of you. You know, that's the kind of person he is. Like this kid is going to have a very short life if he keeps it up. And I'm not trying to put my goat mouth on him, but it's only a matter of time before somebody gets sick and tired of his shenanigans and deal with him in a way that the law isn't prepared to deal with him. And then his poor parents are going to be mourning the loss of their child. And hey, it is what it is, right? Uh, you always got to pay the piper when you refuse to do right by your children. It always comes back to haunt you. So you guys might remember him. He was um, involved in allegedly, and he was found guilty actually, uh, sexually assaulting a minor. And um, the allegation was that he drugged her and kept her for... I think it was at least 24 hours or more, just continually assault, sexually assaulting her on the Brock. Now, I hate to say it, but sometimes stuff goes on on the Brock. 
that is a little bit concerning to me. They don't always take things as seriously as they should. So there are times that they allow people, especially child molesters, to slide under the radar for a very long time. There's like one person there, obviously I can't call their name, but everybody knows that this person has been a prolific lifelong child molester. They're like, don't, don't take your child around this person. It's like, damn, if everybody knows it, why is this person a free person and still walking around? Because you know, nobody's bringing the evidence forth to the police. It's disturbing to say the least. No, sir. Anyway, um, he's back in court again. We reported a couple days ago that he assaulted his own brother. Uh, you know, we got we got errors on the ground and came in back. So the allegation is that he chopped his brother, is what we were told, um, on the head. And so now the police have formally dealt with him. So Jeff, he spells it with a G, Jeff Ryan Scott. He was sentenced in 2020 to two years imprisonment for defilement of a teen. And, you know, because they only serve a certain percentage, he's out. Just got out not that long ago, and boy, he's at it again. So it's here we go again, Bobo. So now, 24 years old, he's raking up quite a lengthy rap sheet, formally charged with eight charges, including fear of provocation of violence, attempted arson, so apparently after he chopped the brother in the head, he then attempted to burn down the whole place. Uh, mm -mm. Uh, so they've got a whole slew of charges against him, assaulting a police officer, disorderly conduct. And this all went down a couple days ago between him and his brother. I wonder why they don't have the, the assault of the brother. Oh, they haven't listed all eight. They only listed a few. So that's interesting that they wouldn't have mentioned just everything. So he's gonna appear in court today. Like I said, the dude is really special. I don't know what to tell y'all as parents, but geez, um, peace. Mm -mm -mm. Junior says, poor guy. The justice system isn't helping him. Um, Hey, that channel, yes. The backup channel is also called CMR. But it is, um, we can't give it a unique name yet because, let me see if I can get it for you. 
because um, it doesn't have enough followers, but let me see if I can find it for you. Uh, yeah, I'll see if I can send you the, the link. Uh, so anyway, um, Mm-mm-mm. He needs help without a doubt. I mean, this this kid is clearly not firing on all cylinders. But I also feel like um, I also feel like he the kind of help he needs. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Uh, th- this case, this situation with this young man baffles me. Most people blame the parents. And I know it's tough as a parent because, listen, you can only control so much of what your kid does and no more. And when they're an adult, I mean, is it really your responsibility to be keeping them in line all the time? You know, honest to God, what, I guess, I guess if you have set a poor precedent, then that's why people hold you responsible, right? Because they're like, yeah, this is kind of your fault because you, you just, you never did right by the kid when you're raising the kid. So not showing the kid that they have any responsibility in life that, um, you know, they are rules that they need to follow, giving kids everything that they want. That's never a good thing. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I don't know. All right. Um, I've actually just, I think I can finally do a custom URL. Let me see if I can do it. Okay. Yes. So here, here's the, um, I'm going to send you guys this as the backup page. I've just been able to finally change it. So Cayman Mall Road, um, and then I put Cayman on the back end of it. So that's the backup page. So here it is. There you go. So like that one as well, just in case. Uh, okay. So, yep. I, I don't know. The kid got mama issues, daddy issues. I wasn't raised right issues. Um, Keisha Gordon was mama for this guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't know who his people are. I mean, I don't know anything about him except he's related to the Scots. Um, Kim Brack, people have said, you know, the, the people them got money and they never really held him accountable as a kid. And so he's grown up living this Don Juan lifestyle or whatever, thinking he can do everything. He can smoke pot all day and wear his fancy jewelry, see with all his rings on and chains and whatever he wants, they give it to him. And uh, not making him bust his behind and work for a living. So 
you know, he's out there having sex with minors all the time and giving them drugs and boy. Mm -mm. Anyway, he's probably heading back to jail again because no doubt he would have still been on um, some sort of a probationary situation. Or even if he wasn't, he just committed other serious offenses, attempted arson, assault, and so on. So without a doubt, police can be... He's been he's been arrested. Let me see. What have they said? No, he's been charged. Eight charges back in court today. So I do need to go to court today. It's 930. So we're going to end the show because I need to go to court today. But I'm also supposed to make some brownies for someone's birthday. Hmm. This is a tough This is these are the balances in life that you always have to be looking for because, you know, um, I got to get some brownies sorted out for birthday. I promise brownies. So you, you got to be able to keep your promises. Uh, let me see how quickly I can whip up some brownies. They do take a minute though, because you got to put them in the oven and stuff. This person loves my brownies. So I feel like I cannot disappoint on their birthday of all days. Don't do it. Okay, so folks, now that I've ascertained that the YouTube channel's back up, we try not to live stream on both at the same time, because then if we get blocked, we're gonna get blocked on both. So the backup channel as of tomorrow, we'll stop using that. So go back to the primary CMR channel. Sorry. Sorry for the inconvenience, folks. Um, I feel like maybe I need to check the other channel. It sounds like they probably accepted our dispute and released it. I can't be bothered with some of these social media platforms. They block you for the most ridiculous stuff. And then the things they should be blocking, all these child predators and all this kind of stuff, half the time they're not doing nothing with them. I've seen pictures of like young girls on Facebook, some Brack page, there was another sick person from the Brack, had up all these very disturbing photos of young children in swimwear that seemed very provocative. You repeated that foolishness and Facebook says that didn't go against their community standards. So I'm just like, whatever. Um, so yesterday somebody shared a bit of good news with us. They said that, uh, this is what they said. They said, um, big shout out to Kevin Watler. They said, oh, by the way, I spoke to a lady who does training for a particular um, police and fire service. And they were talking about vaccines. And they said that five of them only got vaccinated because of the CMR spotlight and COVID series. Just thought you'd like to know. Thank you for that. It's good to know that we made a difference because maybe those five people then were able to influence five more people to get vaccinated. So over 8.5 billion doses of vaccines have been distributed around the world, folks. That is good, but it's not enough. It just simply isn't enough. Um, so unfortunately, most places in the U.S., they're still like at 61%. Cayman is trending well. You know, country this side should have like 99.9%, .9%, folks. Let's be honest here. Uh, our daily numbers continue to decline, which is also very good news. And uh, we're most grateful for that. 
And so I was watching uh, the news yesterday and I saw where, I think it was Nigeria, had to throw away, completely wasted, some, what was the percentage? Million doses of vaccine because it expired and their people are not getting vaccinated. Well, as you know, because of the new Omicron variant, which is um, infecting people, it looks like twice the rate of the Delta variant. That's now on and um, it's a little bit scary. So, you know, folks, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not a good look. Um, and maybe that will start to get them to think uh, twice about it, about getting vaccinated. So Christmas is right around the corner. Anybody complete their Christmas shopping? Let's talk about that tomorrow. We've got a week and two days before Christmas. I'm done, by the way. I think I'm done. Um, I love watching these, um, these ambient Christmas channels where you can just sit there and you have like the, the um, what do you call it? Like the fireplace scenery with the Christmas music. There's one playing right now with instrumental music. You know what's so crazy? 85, over 8,500 people are sitting there just watching this nice, relaxing music. So they do all of the holy night, silent night, the first Noel. Oh, come all you faithful. Away in the Manger is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Um, so yeah, 8,500 people just sitting out listening to Christmas music. Love it. Good folks, have a beautiful day. Uh, tomorrow we'll have more news for you. We'll go through the regulations. I had a few questions. I was going to do that today. And then I had a few questions about a couple things I want to clarify. In terms of the person who sent the question earlier about Jamaica, so let me just be very, very clear. So the same requirements are for Jamaica, obviously. Certified LFT. So if you go to any location that does certified lateral flow test or the PCR test, uh, you can use those facilities. They're not going to tell you the specific facility per se, but they're telling you the type of test. It has to be from a bona fide uh, facility. All right, that's all I got for you. You guys have a beautiful day. Um, hump day Wednesday. We'll be back here tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. All right, peace out. Until then, take care. Have you been procrastinating on your Christmas shopping? You'll have until December 17th to get all of Santa's packages to the Aeropost offices in Miami. Aeropost professional and dedicated staff are working around the clock to ensure your goods are in payment and available for pickup at your offices. Don't forget our industry-leading shopping and delivery portal keeps you in the know about the status of your packages at any given time. Aeropost, Christmas shopping and deliveries made easy. 
Tis the season for big deals at Small Deals Outlet. Visit us for the latest gadgets, small electronics, phone cases, cables, and so much more. Small Deals Outlet specializes in all 2021 trending stocking stuffers like portable Wi-Fi routers, office desks and chairs, straightening hairbrushes, earbuds, and charging cables. Visit us today in the Thompson Building or conveniently order online at smalldealsoutlet.com and have it delivered to you. Tis the season for big deals at Small Deals Outlet. Call 746 for more info. Ho, ho, ho. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Don't make it a blue Christmas by delaying on ordering your propane for that Cayman beef and turkey. Be like the three wise men who rode through the night and prepare for the 12 days of Christmas. Hark! Propane makes all the herald angels sing. Feliz Navidad! Contact Home Gas early for your Christmas propane order at 949-7474. Beginning the 10th of October, residents across the Cayman Islands will be invited to participate in the 2021 Census. What is the census? Simply put, the census is a headcount of every person living in the Cayman Islands. The population count and data are protected and authorized by the Statistics Act. The information is confidential and cannot be shared with any law enforcement agencies. Your response helps guide business, social, and economic planning for the future of our islands. The 2021 census will inform decisions on how millions of dollars are allocated for roads, schools, hospitals and healthcare clinics, fire, emergency response services, and other programs. Census enumerators will visit your household, ask a few questions like how many people live in your house, including their age and sex. Every person counts, no matter who you are or where you live. So have your say in the 2021 census. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.